It's Divas That Care Radio. Stories, strategies, and ideas to inspire positive change. Welcome to Divas That Care, a network of women committed to making our world a better place for everyone. This is a global movement for women, by women, engaged in a collaborative effort to create a better world for future generations. To find out more about the movement, visit divasthatcare.com after the show. Right now, though, stay tuned for another jolt of inspiration. We all seem to have that inner critic inside our heads. I have a committee, the itty-bitty shitty committee. You know what I mean, (laughs) that nagging voice or voices in my case that knocks us down and drags us down the road of self-sabotage and self-neglect. A strong, positive sense of self-esteem is your first step to anything you wish to accomplish. Discover who you truly are, that gorgeous, talented, fabulous woman who deserves recognition and unconditional love. You know the most beautiful thing any woman can wear is confidence. Here on Confidence in Bloom with the Divas That Care Network, I, Tina Spolatini, speak with women living in their own self-confidence about who they truly are, how they found themselves, and how they care for themselves. Today I'm speaking with Sophia Zoe. Sophia is known as an artistic healer because she has effectively combined drawing and healing exercises to help stressed and sick people find peace, comfort, and confidence. Sophia is a holistic healer, coach, author, and artist. Her greatest pleasure is in helping clients achieve their most meaningful goals through gentle healing, art, and strategic action. Sophia has studied over 25 healing methods plus aromatherapy. She has tools to help in any situation. After a near-fatal car accident, Sophia healed herself of the 85 injuries and dysfunctions that resulted. Sophia's dire health status went from patient not expected to recover to regaining her health and happiness. Welcome, Sophia. Hi. Well, thank you very much, Christina. Nice to be here. Yes, nice to have you. Um, maybe uh, tell our listeners a little bit more about what you do as an energy healer and holistic art therapist. So I've been doing energy healing since 1995, and I specialize in clearing trauma. And the trauma is anything that ever made you feel bad. It doesn't matter what other people thought of the situation. If you felt bad in any way, then it was a trauma for you. And most of us have big traumas. That could be anything from finding out you were adopted to your parents divorcing to physical traumas like I had, like the, the big car accidents or you can have surgeries. Those are the big T traumas. But what often really gets people down is the accumulation of the little T traumas, like uh, daily comparison between you and your siblings, the sibling rivalry, a constant criticism from, you know, a teacher, a coach, a parent. So all, all those little traumas can accumulate to have a, a more detrimental effect even than the big traumas. So I use different um, energy healing methods to clear trauma from the cells, which then it rebalances and corrects everything that that was affecting you. Uh, I, I believe that unprocessed trauma is the cause of so much, if not everything that can go wrong with us and our lives. 
So I've been doing this, as I said, since 1995. And then during the all the lockdowns due to COVID, I found um, people, first of all, didn't have the money for sessions because they had been uh, downsized or they lost their jobs. And even when we came back to work and the world opened up, I was hearing that people didn't have the the mental wherewithal to get into therapy again. Even though what the way I do therapy, you're not re-triggered in any way. But I just thought I need to develop a way to help people that is not daunting, not overwhelming, and might even be fun and enjoyable. And I helped myself with art therapy. So now this is what I offer. So it's kind of an indirect healing. I'm a bit, I don't know, not sneaky, but, you know, I can do it in a way where you don't feel like you're drudging up anything. You're just making doodles, having fun. But then people always feel better by the end of the class. So that's why I'm now saying I'm also a holistic art therapist as well as an energy healer. Either way, you get what you need, and you get healed. And so when you're doing your art, uh, as like I'm assuming you do it as a class or like in a coaching session, do you talk about anything, or do you just do your doodling and your coloring? What I usually do is ask the client what they want to work on. So let's say it's, um, like I had one lady, she wanted to find peace with her sister. She and her sister, you know, even though they were both in their 50s, they were still at each other like teenagers. And so we just uh, talked a little bit about that, and her intention is to have peace. They don't have to be in love with each other, but they just have to treat each other civilly and respectfully. And so I, I, I prompted her to, to do certain shapes and lines on the page and as we did that, then she started adding some details, and oh, it looks like this, and then she added something else. So she ended up with a really beautiful picture, and at the end of the session, I said, okay, now let's go back and think about your sister, and she said, oh, yeah, that's nothing. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> so oh. all that stress and inner turmoil had been resolved indirectly. Oh, I love that. That's, like, super cool. It so is. she she went there with the intention of healing whatever it is with her sister, and even mm-hmm. though she didn't necessarily talk about it, she was healing it. Yeah, if you just give your subconscious the prompt, I want to work on this now, it starts to unwind it, and and literally with putting putting the lines and the dots and the swirls on the page, it brought it out of her body, put it on the paper. But the thing with art therapy is it's such a great mindfulness exercise because you're focusing on, you know, not falling off the edge of the page. You're choosing your colors and the thickness of your pen tip or whatever. And so you distract yourself from your problem by focusing on, on the art the brain hasn't forgotten. Your subconscious has not forgotten that you're dealing with your internal conflict with your sister. So it all works out in the end. It's it's just such a lovely way to heal. It's gentle. It's fun. That. And, yeah, you don't have to relive the trauma. You don't have to talk about it and tell me all the stories. Because, you know, when you, when you tell your story, um, 
you don't want to put down talk therapy. It is useful immediately after a trauma. You know, you need to vent. You need to say what happened. But to go for decades every week to dissect that issue when you were five years old, all it does is it keeps it alive in your cells. So you never heal because you're constantly reigniting it. It's kind of like your scab, you have a scab, you know, a wound, sorry, a wound that scabs over, and before it's totally healed, you pull it off. Well, now it's bleeding again. And then it tries, you know, it heals somewhat, and then you pick it off again. You don't do that. You know, you just let it. (laughs) Just let it sit and let it heal. So um, constantly talking about your problems is like pulling off that scab and creating a, a deeper wound so I, I don't really recommend it, except immediately after a crisis, you know, but not decades of it. And most of the clients I have, they've been in talk therapy between 15 and 35 years before they come to me. Oh, my I mean, that goodness. Is, it's unconscionable. Like as, a, as, a, as a therapist, I would never, you know, take somebody's money for 35 years and they're still depressed or phobic or upset or what have you. Um, I, I just find that unconscionable. No, energy healing is really cost-effective because it's such a shorter timeline that you need the treatment. And so uh, that's why I've committed to doing it because I've seen how much it helps. Yeah, and, yeah, for sure. Wow. Yeah. Um, how do you, Sophia, define self-confidence? And why oh. do you think it's important to have? Okay, so self-confidence is accepting yourself. If you can accept yourself with your problems and limitations, if you can accept, you know, this is where I'm at right now and this is what's going on, you will have the confidence to move forward. You'll have the confidence to make a decision in your favor. You'll be able to self-advocate, right? Um, And self-confidence comes from being given it in terms of being raised by parents who understood you. And so good parenting, good teaching, maybe good preaching. If you had a, a good uh, supportive church that you went to or, or you know, spiritual home, self-confidence is cultivated, right? It's, um, it's a habit. You also need encouragement, so if you had parents and teachers who were encouraging your your talents, your hobbies, your explorations, uh, that would give you self-confidence. And, and it's a tricky thing, too. Um, you know, I, I taught piano for 30 years. And a lot of times I could see a student not putting in any effort, but they would immediately say, well, I did my best. And I thought, oh, dear. So I could just hear the parents saying, well, as long as you do your best, it's okay. You know, that's sort of false because then you have to challenge the child to make sure they do their best. So knowing you've done your best will give you self-confidence. Faking it will not. <laughs> okay. Right. So, um, it's important to to not just praise everything a child does because then they disrespect you because they know when they're faking it. So to praise constantly when they haven't deserved it is just going to create, um, I think, some self-loathing and disrespect toward the adult who's giving that false praise. So it's, it's a tricky thing. 
but children know the truth. So you need to be direct with them and not um, artificially supportive. That's right. And like you said, children will, they'll say, you know, I did my best because they know that's what you're looking for. Right. But sometimes they're not in the mood to give their best and they don't, they're not going to admit it because they want to, they want to please you. Right. So they'll just say that to get you off their back. Yeah. Yep, I got three of them. I know all about that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you've probably all seen the, you know, the, the TikTok or YouTube videos of two-year-olds lying to their parents, right? Right. Like the kid is smeared right. in chocolate, and the mother says, did you eat chocolate? Nope. <laughs> so we, we've all seen those. So children learn how to lie at about age two. <laughs> so, Isn't that uh, it's so cute, though, when they're that little? It, it, yeah, it's cute then, but... <laughs> It, it it gets old fast, I think. I think so. so. I think so. If we don't put a stop to it right then, then it just continues on. Yeah. What real are some truth. tips? That you, Go ahead. Sorry. What What are some of the tips that you could give our listeners on how to be more confident? Ah. Oh, okay. How to be more confident? You have to not fool yourself. Okay, so talking about adults now, don't fool yourself. You've got to be brutally honest because that, it also gives you self-esteem as well as self-confidence. If you can really pinpoint where you're being or lacking or, you know, being lazy or avoiding, and if you can correct that, it will give you your self-confidence. Um and then from another angle, self-confidence comes from improving. So you do something. Like I, I have I run a group art healing program, and at first people were nervous to join. They said, well, I'm not an artist. That's okay. You don't have to be an artist. I'm just teaching doodling. <laughs> so you don't have to be a, an artist, but I'll show you a few techniques. And then you experiment and you expand and you, you have to be willing to try things. That will give you self-confidence. Be willing to try and and realize, logically, we're not all born knowing how to do everything. We learn. So you have to be compassionate with yourself, patient with yourself, and you put in the time to practice, to build your skills, and that will lead to self-confidence. I love that. Giving yourself time for practice. To you, what is the difference between self-esteem and self-confidence? Self-esteem is what you think of yourself. And self-confidence, we talked about it a bit, is, is accepting yourself. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. And the two can be so similar and yet so different, can't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, a sociopath thinks they're great, <laughs> right? Right. A sociopath believes their own lies, which is why it's difficult to detect them. Right. Because um, because they fool themselves into thinking they're fantastic, and so then you don't pick up that they're lying. So, you know, some things like that are very tricky. So self-confidence is what you think of yourself. Um, 
sorry, self-esteem is what you think of yourself. Self-confidence is accepting yourself. But I believe somebody who is, for instance, a sociopath or a narcissist, they don't truly have self-confidence, which is why they need to control and manipulate others. Do you think, you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Do you think that a narcissist then, um, like I see them as feeling very insecure and very, um, like, incapable. Do you think yeah. that that's how they feel inside? And they just yeah. portray that I know everything? Yep, you're right. Yeah. And, um, narcissism comes from a deep childhood wound that even they believe will never be healed. And that wound creates a whole personality around it. Wow. So often it is the lack of self-confidence, uh, a feeling of I was wronged and it was so bad, nobody else has ever felt this bad. And so that's, this is what creates their their persona, which often is initially very attractive. Right, so even yeah. very intelligent people get sucked in. They get um, um, sort of deceived. So, yeah, narcissism is comes from a deep childhood wound, unfortunately. Yeah, and so on the one hand, it's unfortunate, but it's the way you explain it. It sounds like it, it's a parenting thing, right? And whether the parents are doing it on purpose or not. You know, that child um, is being wounded, right? It can definitely be a parenting thing, but it can also be what happened to a parent. Uh, for instance, I know someone um, who who had parents who were wonderful to the children, but the father was involved in illegal activity, and in the middle of the night, the federal police, the RCMP, like broke down their door and took the father to jail. Oh. And from that moment, that child was wounded and she's never recovered. You know, she's in her 60s now. Um, And uh, I got to know her very well. She is a narcissist, but very, very attractive in every way at the beginning. Yeah, so... It's uh, so it wouldn't say. I mean, the parent was, you know, quote, a bad citizen. He was bad. So he, he embezzled money. Um, but he was a good father to the children. So it wasn't the parenting, it was just the situation that the parent put the family in. Right, right. Okay, so yeah, that makes sense. It's, I mean, it's unfortunate, but I, I see what you're, what you mean. Something that could happen to the parents as well. So it could be just yes. something that they experience. Yes, it, it's, it's right. A, a deep wound. Yeah. I mean, if um, I had another client who, who was in a car accident with his parents, he was three years old, and um, the parents both died on impact. Ooh. And and the three year old was found three days later hiding in the forest. It was on a country road. Um, you know, so that's a deep wound. But he went on to build a business that impacts a lot of lives positively. So that was that was a wound that helped. <laughs> you know, it, it wow. helped. Um, yeah, he's not a narcissist. He's great. 
It's amazing how we all, like, no matter what our situation is, I mean, we're all, um, you know, we, we all experience life differently, right? But it's, yeah. it, it's funny, like, ironic how we're all so different and how we um, grow from that experience, from any experience, right? I mean, we have the same two experiences, you know, perhaps, but two different people experiencing the same thing, and they go, they go in different directions. Yes. Wow. Yeah. I mean, they say siblings are never raised by the same parents. Like each sibling sees their parents differently. Um, what I want to comment on, though, is, or rather bring up, is a common phrase that adults will say. You know, they'll see a kid fall down or have some sort of trauma, and they say, oh, kids are resilient, they'll get over it. That is false. It's not that they're resilient and they get over it. It's that they suppress it. And it comes back in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. They suppress it because their, you know, their immature minds and emotions can't handle it. So they just suppress it. And then decades later, they, they come to therapy because they can't figure out why they do this thing or why such and such always scares them. So we really have to be more careful with what we say around children because words can be very wounding. We have to watch our behavior. You know, it was it was believed for a long time that children were um, in the hypnotic brain state up until age seven. They're just sponges. They, they absorb everything. You think they're watching cartoons, but they can overhear your conversation with your sister and they pick it all up. But now they're saying that, Children stay in a hypnotic state up until age 14. So they really pick up everything. Yeah, I have, to, I have to say I agree with that. My youngest is like that. You know, when we thought he was in his, you know, um, sort of hypnotized by the TV or by whatever activity he was in, you know, an hour after he was finished, he would tell us what he heard. Right? He'd say, oh, yeah, you know when you were talking to, you know, um, your neighbor and you said this, this, and this? And I was like, oh, my God, you heard all that? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I get that. And, yeah, so, like, I get that, how you said they suppress all those, you know, whatever they're hearing and learning, and then it comes back as an adult when they can't figure out why they can't move their, their business or their life forward. Exactly. Or why their relationships always fail. Right. It, it's all it's all programming. Wow, it's yeah. so amazing how the brain works. Yeah. Why do you think self confidence is important? Well, without self confidence I don't think anybody would ever get out of bed and try anything. <laughs> you know. It would be too the world would be too overwhelming. Uh self confidence is needed for for innovation, for progress, all the all the creature comforts we enjoy is because someone had the confidence to try to do it, to try to make it, and then they improved it. Uh, I'm really glad I, you know, I don't sleep on a dirt floor. I've got a, a nice, you know, springy foam mattress and electricity and indoor plumbing. You know, everything we take for granted now came because someone had the self-confidence to create it. So we need to cultivate our self-confidence to have better ideas and, uh, you know, even better food. (laughs) Everything, everything takes self-confidence. 
so that we function as a society and and we have personal pleasure as well. That I love how you you answered that. That was like you're right. The world would be extremely intimidating if we didn't have the self confidence to head out there and, and venture into it. And I think we're seeing that in the world today. We're having a lot of people now with mental health issues that are scared to go out in the real world, right? Yeah. And and I think it comes down to lack of self-esteem, lack of self-confidence. Yeah, and I have to say social media is in a large part to blame for that. The The comparison, you know, before you'd only compare yourself to the kids next door, but now kids are comparing themselves to people around the world. It's too much. It's too much input. Um, it's not healthy. It's overwhelming to the nervous system. This is what all this, um, this you know, oceanic avalanche of information does to us. Our, our nervous systems were not designed to have so much input, whether it's the you know seven thousand channels you have available to you on your smart TV. And then those, you know, those device that's glued to everybody's hand, it, it is too much input. It's overwhelming and depressing because it's not real contact. It's not real connection. So self-esteem and um, self-confidence also comes from authentic connection. And we're lacking that in the digital world. I have to agree with you. 100% there. We are relying too much on what others are doing and seeing rather than what is really relative and important to us in our everyday life. Yes. Do you think you could fake self-confidence? Well, for a bit. You know, if you have to give a short speech or something, you can pump yourself up momentarily, do the thing. But um, but long-term, no, you can't fake it. You you have to work on it. You have to cul- cultivate it. Um, if you try to fake it, people will eventually feel that, and they'll be turned off, which means you'll have less connection, less camaraderie, less respect. So, no, you have to cultivate your self-confidence. So you have to give yourself permission to try new things, find what you like, and then work at it, perfect it. Um, And that can be, you know, anything from doing calligraphy to playing the piano to memorizing the, uh, you know, the periodic table. Whatever you choose to do, you have to work at it. And that regular work, so so self-discipline helps very much here. Self-discipline and and even some challenge and competition, right? So if it's in a student, in a school setting, students have to study for a test. So you do that and you get honors on the test, you feel more confident. But the discipline and, and the work are really important. Yeah, I love that. I love how you answered that. Um, we need it all, right? I mean, confidence doesn't just happen because we're working towards it. Confidence happens because we are perfecting it, right? We might yeah. have a little bit. We just have to make it grow. We have to make it bigger, and it has to extend out further than us. It's got to be progress, consistent progress. 
It doesn't have to be perfect immediately, but, you know, consistent progress will give you the confidence. And even, you know, not feeling defeated by what you might perceive as failure. For instance, when I started doing the art therapy, um, I, I started for myself. Because for four and a half years, I could not fall asleep. I would be... I would be almost crying and sometimes crying because I was so exhausted and yet I could not fall asleep. And I tried all the traditional methods. Anything I tried would help for one or two nights. And then I was back to wide awake. And so it was only after like trying to fall asleep for 15 hours, I would finally take a little nap. So I was wasting days and days on end. I wasted four and a half years. Uh, anyway, in, in my continuing research, one day I read that if you do something creative that's also relaxing, it can calm down your nervous system, which might help you sleep. And I just looked to the table beside me, and there was a sketch pad and a black pen. And I thought, well, why don't I just doodle? And I did I did a doodle. I made these jaggedy lines that represented how stressed I was and how frayed my nerves were. And by the time I'd filled the page, I had actually relaxed and I dozed off. I fell asleep sitting upright in the armchair for about an hour and a half, which was more sleep than I'd had for like days. I thought, oh, that was interesting. So then I did it again the next night. And then I slept in the bed for three hours. That was a miracle. Anyway, it kept getting better and better. So that's when I thought maybe this will help other people with other problems too. But I would say that I'm not an artist. And often, I mean, now now I can say I, I can call myself an artist and not feel all weird inside <laughs> because it produced enough pieces that people are telling me I should sell. That I've, I've gained the self-confidence. Um, but what I realized was every time I would, you know, quote, make a mistake, because I was using either like liquid ink or markers. So there's no erasing anything. There's no painting over anything. Whatever goes on the paper stays on the paper. Um, and what I realized is my biggest mistakes that I then tried to incorporate into the drawing to hide them, you know, to make them not look like a mistake. Those are my favorite pieces. So mistakes are, uh, you know, meaningful and they can help you progress because often in trying to cover up that mistake, I would teach myself a new technique. So it was really cool. That's so cool. I, I'm, I can't imagine not being able to sleep because I love my sleep. I can sleep 12 hours every night and have no problem. <laughs> So I, oh, I'm you know, telling you, it was, not being able to fall asleep, it, it scares me, to be honest. Yeah, it, it was frightening, and I couldn't make any plans with anyone um, because it's really dangerous to be falling asleep at the wheel. I would, when, you know, the, at the beginning when this happened, I still tried to keep my appointments, and I was falling asleep at the wheel like every five seconds. Oh so I, I I would wake up because my foot would go heavy on the gas pedal. So I'd hear the vroom, and that would wake me up. It was so dangerous. Like, thank God there were angels watching over me, and I didn't kill anybody. Um, but then it was just like, I can't make any plans before 5 p.m. Because sometimes I wouldn't fall asleep until 7 a.m. 
and I'd sleep for little bits, and then I would try and take a nap again. Like, my days were destroyed. It was really, it was torture. It was the worst thing ever. And how so, long did you say this went on for? Four and a half years. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It just wasted, it really wasted my life for four and a half years. I, I couldn't do anything. Um, wow. And then you so, healed yourself with your doodling. Yeah. Wow. And what's your sleep cycle net like now? I don't have to take anything. And I get into bed and I fall asleep within 10 minutes. And I can sleep for, uh, it's usually six and a half to eight hours, which is normal, wow. which is good. Which is normal. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank goodness for yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, and now your body can heal itself, right? Like now your body is getting the rest it needs and it can do what it needs to do. I couldn't even think. I was, I, and I, I was going insane. I, because if you don't sleep, you're, here's something people may not know. You know how your whole body has a lymphatic system and, and the lymph vessels are directly underneath your skin. Um, and they basically are your plumbing. So they remove toxins out of your, it's the liquid toxins that come out of you and, you know, you pee them out. Well, your brain has its own lymphatic system that detoxes your brain, but it doesn't happen until the seventh hour of sleep. So my brain didn't get detoxed for four and a half years. I was going crazy. It, you know, I had no patience. I, you know, if you don't sleep, you're cranky. Well, imagine four and a half years of cranky, and it gets amplified exponentially every week. I was really cranky. I was miserable to be around. Uh, everything hurt because, as you say, if you don't sleep, you don't heal. So I, I'd have literally a scratch on me that would take forever to heal. Um, it, it was just insanity. I, I don't recommend not sleeping. So it's, I, I would recommend that everyone have a sleep schedule. And I think what part of what triggered this is I was a night owl for decades. And that really threw off my circadian rhythm. And I even had a job where I worked a night shift for a while in my late 20s. Um, don't do it. Don't do night shifts. And don't be proud to be a night owl. The best thing to do like think think like a caveman this is where we don't want technology you get up with the sunrise and you go to bed at sunset or you turn off all, all your lights at sunset and only use candles and that's what sets your system to be in tune with you know the the biology of nature so electricity what it does is it artificially extends daylight so the body thinks oh it's still daytime but it, you know it's 2 a.m all your lights are on and you're in front of the computer or TV. So it really messes you up. So for a long time, I would say that my most productive hours were 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. I wrote, I wrote um, books and I wrote a screenplay and I wrote uh, a, a one-woman show. And I did it all in those vampire hours. And um, I think it's perimenopause and all that crap. <laughs> so it all wow. just came to a head and I couldn't sleep for four and a half years. Oh, oh that just misery. sounds crazy to me. Like I'm like, I'm like, I can't imagine. I cannot imagine. And I, I want, I hope I you want never to. have to. I really hope you never have to. 
This is something to wish on your worst enemy. <laughs> right. I right. wish exactly. you insomnia. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't wish that on anybody. Because <laughs> if, if we oh. all had insomnia, this world would be even more crazy than it is. Oh, my God. It, oh, it'd be a catastrophe. <laughs> We'd all die. <laughs> We'd all die. Yeah, no, thank God you're healed and you're back to normal and you can, you know, live a normal life. Yeah. I'm, I, mean, I think you've answered this question for me, but I'm going to ask you, do you think self-confidence can lead to success? Oh, yes. If you have, Yeah, I, we did cover this a little bit. Because if you have the confidence to pursue your goals and work at them, then you will be successful. You know, try new things. Um, and also self-confidence allows you to to allow others to help you. If you're confident, you won't be threatened by other people's talents, right? A very insecure person gets very jealous. And so they, they won't want to be around people who they perceive to be better than them. But a confident person wants access to the best so that they can be the best. So a confident person will have the humility to ask for help, to ask, you know, to find a mentor or a coach. So self-confidence, really, it informs every aspect of your life and how you move through it. So, yes, you will be, you will be successful if you have self-confidence. I love that. Yes, I agree. How does your art therapy cultivate self-confidence? Well, I, I set up a very supportive and non-judgmental environment. I tell people... All art is good, Every whatever, and it's based on what you're going for you. So, you know, in, in such a safe, non-judgmental environment, a person can allow their subconscious to open up. They can access their inner truth, their deep desires, and they can document it on paper or canvas or clay, whatever their medium is. So seeing what a person contains inside, what they can create, is very impactful on them. The process of creation takes both courage and surrender. So you have to have the courage to try, to begin, and then you just surrender to what happens as you're doing the art. And the process and the end product can bring on a sense of pride, a feeling of genius even. And so self-acceptance of this nature will inspire self-confidence. I love that. Self-acceptance. You know, I like that when, when you're doing art and you look at it, and we are our most biggest critic, right? You look at it and you go, it's okay, I guess right? But if you don't get to see the final product and you walk into a room and the same, you know, art is is put up on a wall by four or five or 20 different people, you know, when you, if you wouldn't know your own and you, you know, you pick it out and you go, oh my God, that's really good. Who did that one? Right? And then when you realize it's yours, you're like, oh my God, I'm actually pretty good. Well, so here's what I've learned through my doodling. There's always a point where I think, oh, this sucks. I should just rip it out, throw it away. There's every time. 
Okay, and I've done about 175 drawings now. Every time there's a point where I want to throw it away. But I think, oh, well, you know what? I really like that color, though. I really like the curve of that line. Maybe I should just add something to it. And then I add a new element. And I add another element and more and more. And then it becomes really amazing, beautiful even. Um, so, and, and also, just because I don't, there, there have been a few, like I've, I've probably done 200 pieces and I'd say 25 of them. Um, I, I did think, I'm not going to show this to anybody because it was too rudimentary or I don't know, it just didn't jive with me. But um, I had shown a friend at the beginning of this, I had one sketchbook um, filled up and we were we went out for tea and I said, oh, do you want to see my doodles? She said, okay. And so she was flipping through and going, mm-hmm, 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 like no comments. <laughs> so I was like, oh, she hates them all. And then she got to the one that I had forgotten to tear out because I thought it was terrible. And she went, oh, my God, that's beautiful. I was like, really? See, and that's, yeah, like, we, it's so funny how we judge our own work, right? Yeah. So I, I left it in. That. So that was the only one she thought was beautiful. That, that was just so astonishing to me. And to me, it just looked like so juvenile. <laughs> so, oh my goodness. Um, you know, even my own work that I don't like, I, I'm now accepting somebody else will like this. And and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. And it's uh, true, you know, like art really is in the eyes of the beholder, right? Yeah. Like true beauty, right? Yeah, I, I agree. Oh, my gosh. So, Sophia, this has been so awesome. I I, I want to ask you so many more questions, but we're running out of time. Um, okay. I just have one more thing I'd like you to add. If there's anything that our listeners can get from you today about building their self-confidence, what, what would that be? Well, you're in luck because um, this morning I had my, my art um, group program, which people are invited to join, by the way. They can just contact me. Um, you can find me on Facebook and Inst- on Instagram. I'm Sophia Zoe Art, S-O-P-H-I-A-Z-O-E. A-R-T, all one word, Sophia Zoe Art, or on Facebook, Sophia Zoe, you can find me. Um, Anyway, so I asked my class today, I said to them, I'm going to be interviewed on creativity and confidence. And I said, how has this program benefited you in those ways? And so I have a couple of quotes, two quotes here. One lady said, art is a portal to your emotions and your subconscious. So if you can access them, you will create your own confidence. Um, Another said, art is a mindful exercise. It distracts us from worry and stress. So if you're not stressed and worried, you have room in your head for better feelings, like self-confidence. I like this one. Confidence increases through connection and community. So that's another reason to do group art therapy. Um, And you get to relax into your inner child with art. And we'll end with the quote, let it go and flow. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. 
Confidence in Bloom is a celebration of self-love, a confirmation that you're an amazing, desirable, brilliant, gorgeous, talented woman, even though you may not look like a screen star or a supermodel. The truth is they don't even look like that. We offer unconditional love to our partners, our children, our extended family, even our pets. It's high time we got out of our own way and learned to unconditionally love ourselves. Chic definitely does come in every shape. So if you want something to believe in, start with yourself. If you'd like to be a guest here on Confidence and Bloom and chat with me, contact me through Instagram at InfoBloomStyling or by email at Tina at InfoBloomStyling.com or through the Divas That Care website. Thanks for listening. This show was brought to you by Divas That Care. Connect with us on Facebook, on Instagram, and of course on DivasThatCare.com where you can subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss a thing.